3: My name is Dave Hanredy and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 76 of the No
1: Encore podcast. That sounds like me. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hi. Close your eyes. My name is Andrea Cleary. No, it isn't. That's her name. Andrea Cleary's back on the show. Hey. 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 What's happening? I am Hello. Dave Hanredy. She is Andrea Cleary. And that other disembodied voice in the corner is, of course, Cullen Morrigan. Hello. How are you? Not too bad Never no. We're good. Why do we have Andrea back? Because Craig isn't here. That's true. But that's not the only reason. Because we love Andrea.
3: Well, that's not good too far. That seemed a bit secondary to we the like first Andrea reason. We like Andrea as a friend.
1: We like Andrea as a friend. It's very platonic. She is the Head stuff Music Editor. She contributes to Golden Plaque and various other websites and pieces like that. And so she's an
2: ethnomusicologist, which we just love saying.
1: We like classing up the joint with her ethnomusicology. <laughs> and on this week, to be fair, I feel like this is a good week to bring her on because we'll be talking about a certain snake in the music industry grass, of whom Andrea has already kind of dished out both barrels to. But we'll get there. Do you think
3: ethnomusicology is kind of like zoology, but with music?
1: You. Should know that you have a master's in it, sure, don't you? Has it all been a fraud <laughs> all this time?
3: Um, I, I'm i pleading the fifth on that. Okay, fair enough. I guess that's
1: that, that is your right as a Thank qualified you. ethnomusicologist. Thank you. So, the last time on the show, we talked briefly about the circus that was coming to town, <laughs> and then Coleman and I went to town on that circus, yeah, by staying up until seven in the morning to watch Conor McGregor. And Floyd Badeweather in what I, I can only describe as an exhibition contest.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, it, it went exactly as I thought, but, you know, it's a good excuse to stay up drinking cans until 7 a.m., so.
1: You kind of outpaced me. I was nursing my hipster beer as you were slamming back familiar cans of green. Well, that, that, <laughs> yeah, because you were one of those, like, pretty little flares who tried to take a nap that evening. I
3: don't I, think I've ever heard David <laughs> describe as a pretty little flower, but that's it from now on. Hey, there's
1: a
2: first
3: time for everything. Such a long day. <laughs> Hang on, let's
1: recall I tried to take a nap, but what happened? What's I describe it as? <laughs> I messaged you and I said... I think you said the nap didn't take. <laughs> that, that's correct. The nap did not take. It didn't want to happen. I've never heard that phrase then before. I, got on the, I think that's a
3: phrase <laughs> that women say about their babies. Like, he, he's not taken to the nap <laughs> that's here That's what at I all. felt
1: like. Then I got on the wrong bus. It was all a big to-do. Mm-hmm. Uh, nonetheless, I very much enjoyed seeing people doing serious analysis breakdown of this fight days after the event, as if it wasn't a fucking joke to begin with. And as I said on Twitter, I was like, I hope these same writers will do the same the next time The Undertaker steps into the ring because it's the same thing. Do you think people realise that they bought a pro wrestling event that night? Uh, Some of them don't. Some some of them got their first taste of pro wrestling. and You know, like, water's warm, guys. Come on in. Uh... Yeah, we're going to the wrestling. In per- fact, on Saturday. Apparently, you bought me a ticket. Yeah, absolutely. I'll get you that money eventually. Return of the return of Will Allspray. <laughs> like, oh, the aerial you, assassin himself. That. He's there, is he? Okay. Flippy shit. I, Flippy. shit. I haven't been there for months, so I should probably go. Yeah, just uh, just 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 keep appearances. Hey, Car- I'm not going. to You're not the going, wrestling. Carlo. If you're listening, we will be late to your birthday. I'm going to <laughs>
3: Carlo's birthday.
2: <laughs> um, by the way, sorry. Just before we move from the fight completely, uh, can I just say my heart goes out to Imelda May who did the anthem at the fight, and did a fine job of it. But, like, the Irish anthem can't be drawn out and made more (laughs) dramatic, whereas the American anthem, and especially in the hands of somebody like Demi Lovato, who did it, uh, like, is a three-minute epic...
1: It's purpose-built for pageantry.
2: ...where it's just, like, voicing one note when 20 are available. Yeah. So, yeah, poor
1: El just, you know... Stuck to the script. Melda does her best,
3: you know. Yeah. that's all she can
1: do. Again, pro wrestling style showmanship. I'm all for it. Bring it on. <laughs> but also, speaking of pro wrestling style showmanship, listener, are you aware of the first ever Dublin Podcast Festival? It's coming to town from the 19th to the 30th of September, and lots of really interesting things are happening. Scroobius Pip is coming over. He's bringing his Distraction Pieces podcast. There's my dad, wrote a porno. Uh, there's also Brian Reed of S10, that juggernaut, and of course. Your friendly, no encore podcast. We'll be hitting Whelan's on the uh, 28th of September. I had, yes. had to remind myself there. 28th, 28th of September. Thursday, the 28th of September. I hope you don't have plans, Dave. I don't have plans. There's <laughs> well, no wrestling that night. Well, I said, I, I said already, I said if Nine Inch Nails announce a sudden gig, I'm not doing my own show. I'm <laughs> going to see Nine Inch Nails, but they won't, uh, so it's fine. So 28th of September in Wheelands, we will be joined on the evening with performances from Overhead the Albatross, Dahi and Elaine May. You'll also get myself, Cullum and Craig doing our usual thing. Tickets to 12 euro on Ticketmaster. Come to the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be excellent. Or you could stay in and you could binge watch The Simpsons. <laughs> but why would you do that? Because I'm series <laughs> for like 5 to 10. Because it's terrible man. 3 now. to 10. Well, there's a lot of controversy.
2: I can't remember what was golden ten. Age uh, pe- people, the golden differ. age was
3: I think uh, f- four to nine or something like that. I, okay, I, I, I rewatched them recently. God, they were good.
4: Look,
1: when it was so good, good. Oh when it was good, it was amazing. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I don't know the other day I thought of a random uh, gag from it when Homer becomes an inventor and he um, he has his everything is okay alarm.
3: I <laughs> I, I quote that.
4: And it's the, the sharpest basis. pitch. And he's like,
1: this will sound every five <laughs> seconds unless something isn't okay. And Marge is like, Homer, turn it off. And he's like, it can't be turned <laughs> off. And then it just dies. It's amazing. But yeah, when it was good, it was amazing. Uh, now, a lot of people are upset because Alf Clausen, their, I guess their head music guy has been fired, rather unceremoniously, from the show. He has been scoring the show, music-wise, for over 560 episodes, mm-hmm. nominated for 30 Emmys and won just two. And uh, his last score was on the season finale of season 28. Can you believe it's still going to mm-hmm. that long? But he's been booted, as have his, you know, kind of orchestra. They all find new jobs. And people are really upset about this, but I would contend that, you know, it's not a blessing in disguise. Most definitely. Now, I haven't kept up with The Simpsons in about 13 years. I but.
2: I watched the uh, premiere of, I think it was season 27, I guess, uh, two years ago, uh, to review it. And it's just pitiful. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah, th- this is putting a man out of his misery, pretty much.
1: Like, it is. It totally is. And also, uh, he did do the Planet of the Apes musical, though. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Uh,
2: my favorite. <laughs> he also did, like, the Stonecutters and, like, Who Needs, who the, needs quickie the Quickie Mart. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like... Poochie? The dude's Poochie, contribution the is legendary.
3: Uh, but I think the the shame about this is that, as you said, Dave, it, it sort of does make sense because a lot of what we love about those songs, not only are they hilarious, they have heart. Oh, yeah, and that's totally. the, the Simpsons have lost that. They lost it, you know, 15 seasons ago, however long it was. There's no joy in watching the Simpsons anymore. There's cheap laughs that you don't even laugh at. So maybe he's he's... It's a big song and dance about him being fired. Maybe he's being set free. He yeah. can do better things. Now. I think so. Go I mean, to like, Rick and Morty.
1: That show. I, I don't understand how The Simpsons is still on the air. I guess it still does ratings. I suppose, but like, are they just don't only- want kids watch it? Do they?
3: Yeah, they do, and, and they like it and find it funny, which I think is fine.
2: I can also say it's powerful merchandising because I I know this because my aunt who never believes in kind of giving a Christmas present without. An actual present involved, like you know money in the card, but the card has to be attached to something, so I have an ex extensive collection of Simpsons merchandise.
3: How do I get on your aunt's Christmas yeah, card Yeah, this
2: list? is a strong ant game. <laughs> this is a strong aunt game. I've got an incredibly strong ant game. <laughs> <as well>. like, <laughs> Jesus Christ! It, it's a bit like having five mothers at times, to be perfectly honest. What I would but say,
1: before we get into that weird analogy, what I would say <laughs> is that, you know, kind of The game game of Simpsons there for well, a the, the Simpsons, I mean, I, I, I don't mind The Simpsons being crap now because to me it's like when people complain about, you know, for example, there being a sequel to Blade Runner, which I hope, I hope will be good by the way. But, oh, me
3: too. I'm but, hyped. But I'm
1: like, the first one's still amazing and a bad sequel I ain't going to change that for me. Granted, Ridley Scott is doing his best with the Alien franchise, but with The <laughs> Simpsons, the classic Simpsons, the Simpsons I know and I love is still that thing. It's yep. not going to be tainted by it being crap now. It's fine. Homer Simpson to me is still the greatest character ever in anything yeah. because he's just this exceptional piece of work. He's a terrible husband, father, friend, and employee, but you still never want to see him get hurt. No. Ever. Yeah. And it fucking devastates you when he does. Yeah. <laughs> I can't watch the ending of Mother Simpson. Oh, you oh cry my God. every time. Without like, oh actually my God. losing it.
3: For me, it's um the. Don't forget, you're here forever. That's amazing. And do it for and photos, her Ma- yeah. that, And I think that's her first word in that episode I think too. It is that episode, and yeah. it's just it, break- it when whenever I I think about the Simpsons and how much it's changed, I think about those moments. I Maggie's first word, the Mother Simpson episode. I yeah. think about those, and I'm like, that's what it's. I next. wrote a
1: piece about like like uh, I think. I think it was the music in Final Fantasy 7 or something, but like I referenced how you know, art can have these moments and, and music counts for a lot of it and how everything is staged. And as part of what I was putting in, I put in an embed of Homer looking at the stars mm-hmm. in his car after his mother abandons him again. So I'm watching that clip over and over again while I'm writing the piece, and man, <laughs> my face is just a wreck. <laughs> like an absolute wreck. I I don't
2: cry at The Simpsons.
1: Well, you know, aren't you tough? Yeah. Dead inside. Someone who cried foul on Twitter at the weekend was Adam Levine, frontman of Maroon 5. (laughs) Shocker. He wasn't happy with the MTV VMAs. I presume we've all watched it, right? Because that's a thing that people watch. Oh
3: yeah, I stayed up in the same way that you guys did with the Mayweather.
1: I only watched the the Ivor Novellas. They are the big ones. The big one. <laughs> it's a big one.
3: I d- I just disclaimer, listener, I did not watch the VMAs. Thank
1: you. Well, Adam Levine has beef with MTV and with the VMAs. And he was apparently, like, you know, kind of really pulling for this newcomer, Julia Michaels, in the Best New Artist category. And he was kind of like, you know, trying to get fans to vote for her and all this kind of stuff. And I guess her performance was cut off prematurely, which led him to tweet, it's always exciting to see how utterly horrible the VMAs will be. They re-delivered so far this year. Hashtag holy fuck.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, he's had a long-standing issue here. Uh, like, he tweeted in 2011 that it was, like, the one day MTV pretends to care about music. I'm drawing a line in the sand. Fuck you, VMAs. <laughs> <laughs> Two years later, he was, like, you know, seriously used to be awesome. I think it stems from the fact that, like, they played it in 2004 and then weren't invited back for another 10 years or something like that.
3: Well, yeah, he, sa- he said, um, for many years, he felt like the uninvited dinner guests. But after much, much persistence and perhaps a little bit too much mouthing off, they seem to have changed their mind which to me doesn't actually sound like a good dinner guest at all and no wonder you didn't get invited back if somebody came to my dinner and were mouthing off yeah
1: but they released won't go home without you in 2007 and that song is a titanic belter my friends <laughs> oh. even if it is a rip off of the police now hang on he also said uh, he gave out because he said julia Michaels gets cut off while uh, while she's singing and lord gets to not sing yeah, the whole what song was because that? lord was she had the flu i believe so she did some interpretive dance. No, she didn't. What did she do? I don't know what she did, but it wasn't interpretive dance. But it was some bullshit. She thing. D-
3: yeah, she just jumped around the stage for a little bit looking a bit fluy. And Lord, everyone, surely. And not.
1: everyone was like, There's nothing she can't do. Oh and this to me was the ultimate the way. Of, sing, this, was, this was the ultimate way of summing up just how awful Lord has become. I can't stand it. It's like her. you're not
3: you're not Sia. You don't get to not perform and make, it, make a performance.
2: Yeah. Even Sia performs just wears a, like a funny hat or something.
3: Yeah, but it's like sometimes Sia will, will play the track but she'll do a dance or something, you know. But Sia comes across at least as a, a, an artist. Lord had the flu that day and decided that she couldn't sing. Yeah. Cancel. There's either, plenty of either other way, people. I
2: think my favourite thing about this Adam Levine thing is uh, his missus chiming in like immediately after. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of like with the I am equally but independently disgusted with this. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. as though they weren't sitting on the couch egging each other on,
1: like Lord was too busy, was probably too fatigued from apologising for white people everywhere. So you know,
3: was she was she at that? Oh yeah,
1: in the wake of Charlottesville, she was showing us all how woke she is.
3: Oh, I I unfollowed her on Twitter. Uh, Did you guys watch the Julia Michaels performance? No, it right. I think the reason it was cut off because it, it was her singing really VMA friendly really nice voice, song was fine. But she just had this group of women behind her who were supposed to be, I guess, working like backup dancers, but were actually just, you know, clicking along. None of them could click along In a basic
2: 4-4 four, four time no, fair, <laughs> And it know. is
3: the most frustrating Watch it Just just put it into you
2: YouTube You've the Watch fundamentals it. guys It
3: was horrific it a bit
2: like Irish crowds When they <laughs> clap along oh, yeah. This is something that's fascinated me Ever since I went to festivals Across Europe Like in
1: some mid noughties We can't clap in time
2: mm. Like it speeds up yeah, As yeah. though somebody's yeah. going to like Do a long jump at God the bless, end God bless,
1: God bless Russell Crowe And that's something I don't say very often But God bless Russell oh, yeah. Crowe For when he was on the Late Late Show Stopping doing a song And scolding Holding the audience and telling them to stop clapping along because yeah. you can't fucking do it, yeah. and everyone's like, well, "Oh shit, yeah, okay, we'll stop now." And that
3: show was uh, that, that that moment was so funny because it was as if the Irish audience said oh yeah actually you make a really good point we are terrible completely yeah
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's very, Russell Crowe tells you to stop clapping you're probably going to stop <laughs> yeah. clapping you're a wise man yes uh, yeah the MTV EMAs wasn't really for me but a big winner on the night was Kendrick Lamar he very won, true he won a lot of stuff uh, I think best video and kind of like things like that although he, I think he lost best artist to Ed Sheeran yeah, yeah, yeah. what yeah, the yeah. hell but hey listen you know, like, you know sometimes award shows just get it right guys <laughs> <laughs> not in this case but no, to be fair Kendrick has uh, done a little interview and he says they were not listening to Damn in the correct way. Listen, I
2: mean, as happy as I am to have Andrea here, what a week for Craig to miss. (laughs) Like, Craig... (sighs) Craig, Mister Craig, Mister, I will rearrange your album for you, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Kendrick says that uh, we should be rearranging his album and uh, playing it backwards, basically. Well, L- he says that not now. actually reversed; that's all satanic imagery, yeah. But Reverse just the track listing, yeah. precisely. This, yeah. is, this, this is this is my it mad. Right,
3: I, I, I adore Kendrick Lamar; he's one of my favorite artists. That's that has to be said off the bat. But he says ab- about this: it plays a full story and an even better rhythm. If it was an even better rhythm, would you not have done it that way from the start? Is it not just a bit like he's he's seen people on Twitter rearranging his album because this this has been a thing long before Kendrick even mentioned it. People have been playing his album backwards for a while, mm. and now he's just like, oh yeah, yeah, it does it does work really well. Well, okay, I, I mean meant like, that
2: two things need to be pointed out here. Number one, if you listen to the album more than like once or twice, it's pretty much the same thing. You know, as in like, as long as you're familiar with what the different tracks are talking about and blah, 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 you're going to take it as a whole anyway. So it doesn't really matter too much how it plays. Secondly, you just look at the track listing and sort of like, you know, the two most, I suppose, not reflective, but like songs about his innate self are probably Duckworth and DNA. And Mm -hmm. obviously they just mirror each other if you flip the album around. Um, Combinations like uh, Pride and Humble. Like they're gonna stick together. Yeah, they stay there. together.
3: The important bits are yeah. you know, still mirrored. The
2: ba the basic premise of this, uh, as far as I got, and I have listened to this album in this way. In fact, mm-hmm. we'll even embed the playlist. Uh, Dave and I both made one, so <laughs> a day apart. I did it first, man. Yeah, Dave just forgot to tell anybody. So. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but but basically, it, it that like the later album later part of the album is probably more reflective more about his upbringing and childhood and stuff like that so it's kind of like that sets the scene mm. and then he starts getting angry so to speak Yeah. rather than the quite aggressive opening part of the album and then almost as an explanatory
1: after the fact this is why we yeah. ended up yeah I think Dam is a really good record I don't think it's the best record of the year uh, but I like it I like yeah. it a lot now what I will say is took a little break from it went back to it and I went listen backwards to it and I have to say I really like it uh, back to front. I, I love it ending
3: with the opening. That's great because you you, you yeah. and I have discussed before about that opening, about that opening and, and how it's had something
1: different and yeah, awesome, which is very very good. But yeah. I kind of like set myself in for this like this world building exercise. Yeah. I didn't quite think came, but I think it does come if you go backwards. Then again, I only listened to it a couple of times backwards. so I'm not going to be like I'm not ready to like be like this is definitely the proper way of listening to it. But he well, ain't. There's wrong. no such thing. As there's a no such way. thing.
2: Dude, listen. I mean, like as well though, listening back to this record and like you, I'd gone a little bit uh, without revisiting it um holy shit what an album like. oh. I mean let's be perfectly honest you can put it on a shuffle it's still gonna be a great record mm-hmm. even if you lose whatever sort of rhythm he's talking about and whatever narratives do you put on it yourself it's just a banger like it's incredible yeah. please no Ed Sheeran guys <laughs> Sorry,
3: Ed Sheeran. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what the Mercury Surprise! thinks if, if Ed Jern is Kendrick the best. crash that. Well, maybe not we'll Kendrick, but any other deserving artist apart well, from Well, someone
1: Mr. that we're going to see more of soon on our television screens will be Joey Badass when he returns to action on Mr. Robot oh, Season yeah. 3. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. trailer for that has just dropped. It looks as grim as ever, but I'm still hyped for it. Now, I noticed this a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> there was the that big eclipse thing that happened, and obviously, you know, um, that big eclipse that, thing, the big that big eclipse thing that, <laughs> thing that happened, <laughs> that
3: uh, cosmic event. I think that's what it was. Well,
1: called. it wasn't here,
2: I guess. You know, it well, it
3: was here, Cullum. Well, we couldn't. We just couldn't see it. Yeah, we couldn't see it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you sound like a fucking televangelist here. Like, (laughs) fair
1: enough. God is everywhere.
2: Joey Badass. Well,
1: the eclipse was everywhere. Joey Badass took to Twitter and he said, am I crazy for watching the eclipse day with no glasses? I've sun gazed before and afterwards saw colours for a whole day. I didn't die though. No. And he said, this ain't the first solar eclipse. And I'm pretty sure our ancestors ain't, ain't have no fancy eyewear. Also pretty sure they ain't all go blind.
3: But some of them did. Some of them did. A few, days later, definitely few did. days later,
1: Joey Badass Mysterious, he cancels his tour dates. What could it possibly be?
2: Yeah, Joey Blindass, I saw somebody call him the other
1: day. Well, he put up a photograph on his Instagram of him wearing these, like, ridiculous oh, steampunk-looking it. goggles. It's amazing,
2: it looks like E.T. on his holiday. And he's like, something. my
1: doctor says I have to wear these for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like... Cancelled two dates as well in Cleveland and Chicago after the fact. I mean, I is he just following the president's lead?
1: Well, there's been reports of people putting sun cream on their eyelids.
3: Can we just and burn been the world down at this stage?
1: It's, it's going that way.
3: Like I do like that the cancellation of his tour uh, cites unforeseen. Circumstances oh, hey, Boom boom yeah, yeah, I Love like
1: that Always <laughs> a, a, a little bit Of a journalism dig in there it's very <laughs> To be fair I'm, 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 I'm perfectly fine With these
2: things Happening to people It's chlorine In the gene pool man Yeah
1: I, I agree Natural selection Is that what you're saying Close enough oh, Jesus Christ I like Joey Ballas I don't want him To succumb to this
2: I've told you the story Of like some bloke That I know uh, In the British army Going out to Afghanistan And they punish soldiers By making them stare At the sun And so the British army Had to walk around Just being like no, don't do that <laughs> like really don't do that
3: <laughs> like can they not get some sunglasses
2: oh no 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 this was punishment for soldiers oh, they had right. to stare at the sun if anyone think about what if they anyone did hears from, if anyone's
3: listening
1: from the British we were, Army get in touch yeah. Yeah, please confirm these corroborate Cullen's story I'm pretty sure like he's, he's making up uh, landish friends at this point <laughs> Someone who we're probably not going to be outlandish friends with anytime soon is. It's time, guys. It's uh, Taylor Swift Round
4: corner. Hey, here
1: we go. There's a lot to talk about now. There is we, a lot. We'll to get, get to, to that song. Don't worry, listener. Which of course dropped in the early hours of the morning after we were finished recording. Because that's how it goes. Quite often. Now, I don't quite know how to sum this best up, but all I will say is that Taylor Swift has. Yeah, uh, I've got a headline here which disparages the woman's name. What does it say?
3: It yeah. says Taylor Swift is a dickhead.
1: Now, I'm willing to be shot down on that one. I'm willing to be proved wrong on that one. I don't want to just pile on. I know Joseph Kahn, a film director, a music video director who's very much in her camp, went on Twitter last night and said, like, uh, this is a man woman thing," he said. anytime time Taylor Swift does end like this, uh, she's deemed manipulative and blah 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 blah. And thankfully, she, he was shot down by quite a lot of people who were like, she's done a lot of stuff in the past, which is she's been hailed for. Like you know, mm-hmm. kind of her, her marketing genius. This is not one of them.' Yes, and it's less about man woman thing and more about this is just reprehensible. So what she's done is she's partnered up with Ticketmaster because you know one good corporation deserves another. Uh, speaking of Ticketmaster, if you go to Ticketmaster. right now and you can get your No Encore Live tickets for twelve euro. Don't rag on them too much, <laughs> But here's the thing: you don't have to go. And like buy anything else. You can just buy the ticket and come to the show. There's no boost. There's no boosts. Dave, no we're gonna
2: be four oh four not found if you're not very careful. So
1: <laughs> okay, well, she's powered up for this service and it really rolls off the tongue, this one. It's it's called Taylor Swift Ticks Powered by Ticketmaster Verified Fan. Once again. Taylor Swift Ticks powered by Ticketmaster Verified Fan.
3: Well done. Now, I'm
1: gonna get a tattooed on my ankle. <laughs> this is if fans are willing to basically help promote her and purchase things from her and what it does is it gives you the chance to be in line for tickets at oh her my, show really? so you have to basically you know you can buy the record uh, x amount of times or you can like watch the video x amount of times or buy a t-shirt or whatever or even share shit and post social media, and social media and stuff yeah like and what it means is is that like because tickets are obviously gold dust whenever she does shows they sell out instantly You will get the chance to be in with the chance of getting a ticket. You don't even get a ticket. Wow. Now, I think the worst part of all this sounds a bit like this
0: Your seat. It's time to beat the bots. Taylor wants you at the show, going crazy with your friends, screaming every word to every song. That's why we're excited to announce a new way of buying tickets.
3: A better way. A fun way. Introducing Taylor Swift Tix, powered by Ticketmaster Verified Fan. Made for you, the fans.
0: Visit taylorswift.com.
1: So that's an ad there that was clearly made by an agency or whoever, which is so marketed towards children... And, you know, her young fan base that it's, it's, it crosses the line for me. Like it goes, I I genuinely thought it was a parody when I saw it at first, when I heard it first. Just the whole thing about Taylor wants you at the concert, uh, screaming with your friends, singing every line. It's so bad. It's so so deliberately targeted towards impressionable young minds. That
2: is the issue here, isn't it? That she appears to have targeted her youngest fans. In the most
1: capitalist way imaginable.
3: It's as if she's telling the fans that didn't get to come to her house uh, during the red, uh, mm-hmm. tour or the red release um, who she baked cookies for it's as if she's telling them specifically you can come you can come now look
2: I think I, I think she looks like fucking King Lear here you know just like <laughs> nothing will come of nothing Bye again uh, <laughs> very nice Just like who's going to be most devoted to her I mean I mean like this is just one of those things where like you say it's Presumably, the work of marketing companies. But she signed off on all of this. Oh, of course. I uh,
1: I think you raise an interesting point there because that also leads into the idea of, you know. There could be a, a Taylor Swift massive fan base amongst, let's just say, like, you know, school kids in America. And, like, what if your friend gets all these things and you don't? Like, the, yeah. the, the, there's a horrible, like, bullying element that could come into play here. I think it's really bad. It's really divisive, yeah. like, like literally dividing people in a popularity contest way that also costs a lot of money and it's shameless. And yeah. Taylor oh, and
3: gets called out on her privilege enough for her to not realize that this is, like, constructing the sales of her tickets in this way. Are, is just pushing class privilege, like it's you don't have to buy anything to get in with a chance with this, but it helps, and that's the definition, if you have money, you're gonna be in with a better chance, and Taylor's been, you know criticised enough for her representation of capitalism, why capitalism in America, that do you do you think she would have just stopped and thought hang on, you know
2: Yeah, no, I I quite agree, and the other thing about it as well, though, is like, presumably, this is just like it. I, I, I genuinely, and this is maybe me being very naive, I think that when they talk about like anti touting, blah, 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 like. Could possibly have come from a good place.
3: I think so too. But it's just ran but I think away like so ev- Like everything Taylor does, she has she she seems to have her heart in the right place, and then she just does the most problematic shit that you can imagine from that good place, and doesn't listen to anybody around her who tries to tell her otherwise.
1: Well, on that matter. She's she's reached out to some people, Well, not reached out, but she's 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 kind of turned some heads, well, some very particular oh heads. Oh, you're going there? Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry. No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> we have to go there before we go there. Do we okay. have to go there? Let's just say that you know she's got some support from the alt right. Yeah. The what? Who, the alt right. Oh, the uh, Nazis. The Nazis. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, not, not sure cutting that. Yeah, the Nazi <laughs> horrible scumbags who basically have decided that she's like. The golden goddess Well some people yeah An Aryan goddess in fact
2: Yeah mm. And I know like Breitbart have been Tweeting out the lyrics And stuff like that
3: There was a Look what you Maga do Yeah, mm. yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I mean
2: I mean, Look at, at this point I just You know It's like the bloke Who created Pepe The, the yeah. frog And is just like Devastated That it's been co-opted mm-hmm. Like you can't really Choose what happens With these things Well this is
1: quite The backfire for it ha- her It happened with Depeche Mode as well that's true, and they denounced it obviously in the strongest of terms. But mm. Taylor Swift tends to remain quiet on a lot of things. This might be one thing she wants to speak up on. She's
3: not one for denouncing, but hopefully she's she'll, not. She'll but give she might, might want to
1: fucking have a look at this. But uh, yeah. so before we get to the song, uh, one other thing: like, like you can pay up to sixty three dollars for that for that new album uh, on like our uh, uh, as, yeah, as part it's of that like thing forty eight dollars CD as well. Yeah. Not the RP.
3: R- remember last disc. year when we bought um, Frank Ocean's the limited edition mm-hmm. Frank Ocean's Blonde? Uh, this is almost the same price for a CD.
1: Yeah. And again, it might get you a ticket to a gig And if you go to that no. gig You will hear the first song in this week's Songs of the Week Which sounds a bit, unfortunately, like this
4: But I got smarter, I got harder in the nick of time Honey, I rose up from the dead, I do it all the time I got a list of names and yours is in red underlined I check it once, then I check it twice oh, oh, look what you made me do Look what you made me do what you just made me do! Look what you just made me! Oh, look what you made me do! Look what you made me do! Look what you just made me do! Look what you just made me do! I,
1: I don't, don't like your kingdom, you So that's Taylor Swift with the ultimate Taylor Swift song title imaginable ever. Uh, look what you made me do. Mm. Now, first to Andrea Cleary, who wrote quite a few words about this.
3: I did write quite a few words about this. Um yeah, it's a Taylor Swift song, and as such, uh, it's a bit of a grower, right?
1: No, you've Shock. come round. No, a lot I'm people- not
3: going to say I've come round. A lot of people have though. Um, that's fine. I understand why they did. the The thing about this song is, right? There are parts of it, and I and I mentioned this in, in what I wrote about it, which you can read on the. Headstuff music section, thank you. Um,
2: Don't have to drop your voice
3: to parts. plug. Do I, can I speak louder if I'm plugging? <laughs> there's there's part, parts of the song that that bang and they go. So I guess I'll start with that. Basically the, the pre- bridge, chorus. right? The bridge Yeah, yeah the bridge is really really good. It's even better the second
1: time. That's the fast bit where she's like, your name in red underline, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. That's that is, that is
3: really, really good. The problems with that I have with the song are obviously the chorus, which is horrendous. I don't think anybody needs to point that out. It's right Said Fred and not even in a nice way. Yeah,
2: I mean <laughs> like not even like I mean, yeah, when you have to credit right Said Fred it's a bad sign. Yeah. When your defenders are like, oh but it's like modern day Britney. No, it's like oh, good. Yeah, because there's an artist who hasn't lost her mojo.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's just it's it's one of those things where we're trying to put this big. Well, no, actually, a t- Taylor's trying to make a, this big massive comeback. She has. She, she never left. Yeah. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. But with look what you made me do. My problems with it right now are kind of narratively. What did we make her do? Nobody knows. I don't know what we're supposed to be looking at um nothing's happened yet so maybe it's the, the album is we, we need to look at what like nothing came well, of the old taylor the, is dead the old taylor's dead uh does that mean that all of her fans up until this point can just be discounted if 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 charging them 60 dollars yeah, no, for I, an I, album is anything to go I, don't, by? I don't think
2: so i mean i will say as well that the video to this song it's changed the way stuff. that I thought about it a lot because when I first heard it, and
1: especially when she does that sort of blatant, you know, the old Taylor is dead, um, which, by the way, is her thieving a line from little scene star-studded two thousand two indie film Igby Goes Down. W- what when she says it's coming from her right because she's dead? Okay, it's a really funny bit in that film. Mm. I mean, good film by the way.
2: See, here's the thing though: like when I heard that line. And took this song into account, you were like, well, hang on, has she killed off the tailor that's like good at writing pop songs? Yeah. Or the one that's, you know, quite aware of how to form a good chorus. Yeah. Or who can actually capitalize on a hook, which is clearly there in the bridge. Is that what we made her do?
3: That's the thing. Did did we make her not be able to write good pop music you anymore? See,
2: and and that, like that was my thought over the weekend. It was during the VMAs or after the VMAs, somewhere around the VMAs, that the video appeared. And it's just it's so crushed, full of references, mm. and
3: they're fun to go through.
2: Yeah, and so fully self aware though mm. that I don't think there's any possibility that she has actually dumped all that stuff behind.
3: No, I don't think so either. But I think if you're going to come back with such a massive... Well, with, with what she thinks is a massive statement, then you do have to back it up with your songwriting.
2: I quite agree, yeah.
3: You know, but I think there's parts in the video that are clever. There's parts in the video, most of the video made me cringe out of my skin, especially well, like, that no, but end but like,
2: part. But like there's so many parts... But like the end part is a great
1: example. Though.
3: I think Taylor isn't nearly as funny as she thinks she is, but... I can give her credit for at least trying. That's yeah.
1: still from the video. That's like the thumbnail going around. It looks like my fucking mother in the late 80s, early 90s with that perm.
3: Oh, yeah. that thing. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Dodge. Oh, she also looks like a rubbish zombie at the very beginning. Also, the by the way, like, like Taylor base.
1: Swift, like there's certain things people in life cannot do, you know? I can't clear a 10 foot fence probably in, in one bound, and Taylor Swift. Dave,
3: I wouldn't. Why why are you selling yourself? (laughs) If we put seventeen cuts in there,
2: (laughs) you (laughs) You can can do do it.
1: Taking three, (laughs) Uh, Taylor Swift can't do badass cool. She just can't do it. I'm sorry, can't do it. She can't. It doesn't work.
2: I mean, like obviously, with with the benefits of editing and everything else, uh, the video for Bad Blood, she kind of pulled it. off I don't think she pulled it off in Bad
3: Blood, but I think Blank Space was a good um, Mm. a good medium for her. Um, and don't get me wrong, I, I like Taylor Swift and I am going to run out on the 10th of November, my mother's birthday, um, and get her album. I'm not going to pay $60 for, for it, but uh, <laughs> for my mom, I'm one for me. Um, I'm going to listen to it I'm going to be thinking about it talking about it I'm going to be paying attention but that doesn't mean that we can't criticise her for whatever it is Oh listen
2: absolutely I I love Taylor Smith I I was at her last tour and it was a genuinely phenomenal concert Um, Well because that
3: that album's 10 out of 10 though 1989
2: is just an
1: amazing pop record I can't believe it
3: but okay Are you kidding It is (laughs) a stunning record. Tell
1: you what, I'm, I'm going to bring this back here. I'm, I'm going to tilt this stage, if you will. <laughs> right? And I'm going to read from uh, Claire Lobenfeld, who wrote about this single in on Fact Magazine. And she said, and I quote, Taylor loves to point out the deficiencies of those who have wronged her, and her flirtation with shaking it off has quickly come to an end. I'm not here to speculate whether, look what you made me do. Her right side Fred interpolating Dresden Doll's light new single is about Kanye West and Kim Kardashian, because I don't think the source material matters here. The thing that she was, quote, made to do is drop the act she's been carrying on for so long. I would give her one point if the American South, the people who first embraced her, weren't so utterly fucked right now, and in need of her to donate money to Houston for help with Hurricane Harvey and stand with the people of Charlottesville, whose city was overrun by bigots with tiki torches bearing swastikas and other emblems of hate weeks ago. The only politics Taylor Swift cares about are her own, and right now that stance looks as good on, uh, good on her as her wet seal Molgoth album art. Okay, God now damn. that that's that that's for me unreasonable.
2: Okay, go on. Because why the fuck is she responsible for Hurricane Harvey She's not and for Charlottesville? It. She's
1: not responsible for those things. But she she has a tendency to go extremely quiet on issues when she could actually be a force for good. And I think in the uh, in this situation... But like she, like this writer has basically said, like, oh, forget about what the song is like. Well, I mean, that's the second part of her review. and She gave it not a 10 I'm giving, think, I'm giving that absolute it's... bollocks. Absolute bollocks. But it doesn't change the fact that this is a bad song. This is a terrible chorus and it's a bad thing. Do you sign. agree that her the only politics that matter to Taylor swift are her own, though? Uh, close enough. I'm yeah. not saying that's a bad yeah. thing, but do you yeah. agree that but she but like uh, for someone who's meant to be seen as this wholesome kind of, you know, girl next door, whatever it is, which like has been slowly eroded away into this corporate machine that she definitely is, mm. fine. And maybe Joseph Cannon has a point in that point of view. Why should we, why should that be a problem if it's mm. not a problem for a Kanye West, for example? I, I but don't... I do find her silence in situations like this quite troubling and other situations where, you know, it would have been good for her to fucking, because she's such, like we, but just, her influence, we've, man, is massive. Sure, she has we her. We've discussed
2: this before, though. I mean, like, putting a musician on that sort of pedestal where they're required to comment on these things mm. is nonsensical. And frankly, like it's not going to be any good if if we force that anyway, because like what like what the fuck is Taylor Swift going to be doing about like socio political issues? This is going to be like when somebody asked Mariah Carey how she felt about the death of the King of Jordan, and she said he was such a great p- basketball player, was he no, she thought it was Michael Jordan, oh.
3: I think the thing is with, with Taylor Swift is that at the moment we're in a weird stage of our relationship with pop stars insofar as we expect them to respond to everything immediately because we have Twitter and because we have all of these things. So expecting her to comment immediately or at all on things I don't think is unreasonable. What I do think is unreasonable is judging a woman's career Based on how good a feminist she is, and T- Taylor, I I think she has has done some good things for women, but they were for white women. It doesn't it doesn't negate what she's done for. Fe- she's she's gotten some girls into feminism, and you know, and they they might go on to become the most intersectional, amazing, you know, forerunners of the movement. But everything she does is is this white feminism, and. I think we're nearly at the stage where I wouldn't blame Taylor, nor would I blame her critics on the other side, but I wouldn't blame Taylor for just being like anything I do gets completely torn apart by no matter who gets their hands on it, um, I'm staying out. I would like her to comment on these things, but I don't, I don't blame her for not doing it.
2: And I suppose illustrative of that, another person who has a decent platform to comment on things and basically never does, Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean. He's back.
3: Yeah, why isn't he? He's
2: dropped another track on his Blonded uh show on Beats 1. It's called Provider. Sounds like this.
4: Pat pat your pack find my not falling. My friends go pro fish off under influence. Feeling like the largest out of reach me. How I feel, let speak for me How do you feel, keep your ears split for, me. My face if you for me
2: Yeah, another standalone track from Frank Ocean. Um, It's pretty good. It's so good.
3: It's so good. It's a good old-fashioned love song.
2: Not it.
1: Really? Not it. You see, I mean, like... It does try to do a little bit too much. I'll say that. At this stage, when Frank drops, drops a track uh, as part of his bonded radio show or on a whim, uh, usually both, it, you know, we're looking at sketches here. Like, like it's very it. hard to kind of, like kind of I don't know, kind of like climatise yourself with that kind of thing because it's not served up as part of a greater whole. This is it. Like Look, blonde or whatever. And I
2: really do feel as though it loses a lot of the potency when it's not at like a full yeah, length When you know
1: that, it, that it's literally throwaway you're more inclined to treat it that way. That said, I mean, like, a lot of these tracks have kind of grown. I mean, I think biking is a gem. But I didn't think it was when I first heard it. And again, I don't need that Jay-Z piece on it, thank you. But this, no, this, I I like this. It's totally good, but... I found myself kind of just, like, trying to, like, really click with it. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, like, it's nice to hear from him and everything. But it's kind of like when Father John Misty released uh, whatever... Real Love Baby. Real Love Baby, yeah, Yeah, before the record. I was like, this is nice to hear from him. And there's something he kind of knocked out in the weekend. And and it's cool that we still have this access. And it hasn't demystified him for me. And that's actually... I think think that speaks to the power of Frank Ocean, that he's... I'm not annoyed by these releases. I'm not like, okay, give it up now. Like, you know, I don't have too much of a good thing. It's a separate entity. As I said kind of earlier on, like, like, it's, you know. It, it's a sequel versus an, a great original. I mean, like, like it's okay to have these out there. They're good. It's fine. It's good to hear from you. He sounds, he sounds like he's in good voice, and but it didn't, it didn't burst right through for me. It's
2: funny that you mentioned jo, uh, Father John Misty there because I think one of the reasons why Real Love Baby was just kind of dumped out there was because it very clearly does not fit mm-hmm. the aesthetic of pure comedy. Um, I don't necessarily think that. These songs are being put out there because Frank Ocean is working on something bigger that they don't fit. I think he really is just like making music as he goes and putting it out there. This, though, for me, is probably the best of the tracks that he's released from Blonded. I feel as though it is trying to do a little bit too much. I think part of that... Yeah, and and I think part of that is, like I say, because it's just a standalone track, that it's not going to have the immersive qualities of the tracks that were on Blonded. I I
3: think that's what I loved about it, though, was that it, it... he, here is this self-contained narrative that's just about, you know, love, and it's really nice to hear Frank just singing about love, and it still has that typical Frank Ocean melancholy. I feel like he's doing stuff with, with the production in this track that just gives a whole, a whole other narrative. Like there's around uh, halfway through the pre-chorus, the vocal effect changes, and it 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 just catches you off guard and I I, I found myself following it and following it and every single layer that he was bringing into it until he gets to that, been feeling like the Lord's just out of reach for me, kind of build part, like around three quarters way through. I thought it was euphoric. I absolutely loved it. I think it's one of those songs that the more you listen to it, the more you find but this is, this is one of my favourite Frank Ocean tracks that has ever, ever been released. I absolutely adore this song.
1: Well, but <laughs> Not to be... No, that's cool. I mean, like, you both <laughs> seem to be very into it. I like, overlay, for but. whatever reason, I just didn't really find that moment. Maybe I will. I mean, I, I I find that with Frank Ocean a lot of the time, he does have incredible replay value and there yeah. is an awful lot to unpack. But again, I just can't get past the sense that these are just demos. And that's fine. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like That's totally fine. His demos are better than the average. And this is a good song and I look forward to in two weeks in the show being like you know what they were right uh, it is amazing uh, but yeah it's good to hear from him uh, he's the man I think we're all fairly Hit ina- us up Frank we're all fairly enamoured with the guy yeah. mm. uh, Speak, as speaking for- of layers <laughs> upon layers upon
2: layers go on let's try try the best we can to unpack Steam Breather it's a new track from Mastodon sounds like this
1: Dave is clearing his throat. throat) Sounds like you have a pronouncement. Well, I feel like it's time to talk about Mastodon on the show. Get some good metal (laughs) in there. Especially because they all popped up in a cameo appearance in the season finale of Game of Thrones oh yeah and it might have been the most interesting thing in that boring fucking episode hey okay, now yeah that's right Game of Thrones I'm coming for
3: you the last time I was on this podcast you were giving Black Mirror a load Black of Mirror shit sucks. and now it's Dave, Game of Thrones Dave. Black Mirror sucks okay okay right
1: back to Game of Thrones oh man let's technology's gonna enslave us all isn't it oh how depressing contrary, oh. yes it contrary is contrary day. let's talk about Game of Thrones season 7 for a second shall we do you,
2: do you know the <laughs> producer Alan threatened to
1: cut you dissing Black Mirror
2: out of that episode no he just because it was factually
1: incorrect <laughs> well I'm glad that producer Alan is no longer our producer <laughs> and our sonic architect Eve is a lot more amenable to these things <laughs> I don't know she's not here this week uh, very boring episode wasn't it an hour and 20 minutes and of a great big nothing I disagree and who cares about ice zombies anyway boring boring hang on it, like, if you don't care about ice zombies then like What's I'm being deliberately, the I'm being deliberately facetious now. Yes, Surely yeah, not, yeah, yeah, Dave. Yeah. Oh, it's an allegory. You never do that. For, it's an allegory for climate change, man. Uh, yeah, to be fair, I watched Twin Peaks before, know that was so far superior that it wasn't even funny. As for this song, I quite like Mastodon I always have. I think they're good, good lads. Uh, you, I, I'm getting the sense that you guys aren't into this. Well, I mean, like they've <laughs> definitely got the next cover of Kerrang sealed Oof. up for themselves. Like, That's not saying much in 2017.
2: Plenty of play on MTV too. I like. Have we woken up in 2003? Yeah. What is this?
1: Are you not familiar with Master? They've been around for a while.
3: They've been no, around no, for no. a while, but they're one of those bands that the the guys that I sort of hung out with when I was a teenager, but never actually really liked. Loved did them. Did you wear?
1: Did you wear Vans and like? I have,
3: wore Converse. Dave. Okay. Sorry. I wore Converse. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, their
1: shoes are available. Oh, well, they all scuffed.
3: Th- yeah, I, I drew on them.
1: Uh,
2: oh my <laughs> god! Oh, of course you did. Oh yeah. This yeah. is random. Got song. my friends I, I, to write quotes. I was on a skateboard, so I just had like a pair of DCs or something.
1: Okay. Let's talk about the song. It's fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. terrible. <laughs> terrible.
2: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's absolutely awful. It's, Bad. It's
1: it's a perfectly good. Like southern fried guitar, but what southern fried no. guitar? I'm straining here. Uh, it's never fine. been the best chef. To Honestly, be fair. I think no, I think chef. the the vocals
3: are fine for what it is. The lyrics are rubbish. Guitar is nothing interesting in it. The drums were surprisingly okay. I was oh. okay with them. Who brought in the little shaker halfway through the song? Get rid of that. What's that there for? Where are we?
1: <laughs> Who knew that the Mastodon boys would get such a kicking?
3: Sorry, master. I'm sure you're lovely, but the song <laughs> is part. not.
1: Okay, well seeing as we're on this, you know, guitar band situation, how about we see how it's done, yeah? The old school lads, four lads from Dublin, oh, back once again. The boys. It's you two <laughs> The Blackout, and it's not technically the first single of Songs of Experience. That is coming next week. This seems to just be a taster. We've already had a taster when they played Jimmy Kimmel and played uh the little things that give you away, which ended a bit by numbers. This also ends by numbers, but in a strange way. This feels like it could have come along in the mid nineties, no?
2: Yeah, I mean
1: my first instinct
2: was just like, gosh, this sounds really like you too. Yeah. 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 Uh, Whether that's a good or a bad thing. I'll leave that up to you to decide. I can't quite decipher this one. All I know is I didn't hate it. <laughs> I mean Me too. what yeah. what I will say though is that it is further proof, as we have speculated before, that their delaying of songs of experience is just the biggest load of bollocks that you've ever heard. I mean the, the sheer idea that they needed to shelve the album to make changes for the post-Trump world—it's like no, this song existed exactly as. The song existed
3: it. in the early nineteen nineties. Precisely, yeah, yeah, and know. like
2: I mean, Adam Clayton even came out the other day and said, like, you know, just cosmetic changes more than anything, mm. and it's like, yeah, of course it was. It would have taken a weekend mm. to See, re-record th- a handful of vocal lines or something, but this is a whole thing now, you set off on the Joshua Tree tour, you've delayed the album by like 18 months or whatever it was from the mooted release date like you're kidding nobody
3: That's that's exactly what I was going to say is, is the problem with listening to you 2 in 2017 for me which is that I've been spending all year re-listening to the Joshua Tree and just <laughs> listening to how go, fucking good that album is and then this comes out and I'm like yeah okay yeah but I could also just go and listen to You too, when they were, you know, surprising and engaging and new. This is just YouTube.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, there's nothing going on here that's absolutely revolutionary or even all that great, but it's enjoyable. Yeah. It's easy on the ear, and it has that kind of, you know, discotheque, home throw me, kiss me, kill me kind of, you know, just kind of playfulness, I suppose. Like, yeah. Like, like, like it has a playfulness. They seem rested. Yeah, they they, they seem excited. and yeah. like, that's cool. Like, th- that's good to hear from a band at their kind of position. I don't know how indicative this would be of the record. I don't even know if it's on the record. Oh, this so. is it, exactly.
2: You see, because it as well that this is like a live performance or whatever, you know, they're going to be excited. They are a very, very engaging live band. Yeah. It's maybe when they're left to their own devices uh, in the writing room or well, in the well, studio. Well, we'll
1: withhold judgment on U2's possible new direction until we get the, the lead single, which I presume will tell us an awful lot more mm-hmm. about what that record's going to be like. Closing us out this week, though, we've had them on the show before briefly as as a song of the week. Uh, they're coming to the Button Factory in November, I think it is. I'm very excited. They're called Wolf Parade and they sound like this. Why
4: are you looking lost? When is this? i You were turning now
1: Gregor winning that fight, mate. You're dreaming. That's the name of the song. You're dreaming. Uh, what do we think? Love it. It's great, isn't Absolutely it? Absolutely love it. The
3: music video is the most fun.
1: Those like Decato, <laughs> Oregon
2: flourishes yeah. throughout are just superb. I think they like the, the drum fills in the middle eight give it like an urgency sure. that like shouldn't even necessarily fit a song like this. But just elevates it somewhat. Um, yeah, this is wicked. I yeah. really, really love this track. It, it
3: starts off so easy. It's, you, you you ease yourself into it, and then you kind of find yourself by the second chorus, just totally immersed. It's mm-hmm. it's a, it's fun as well. It doesn't take itself very seriously. The music video is hilarious. I just think it's it's a good time. It's not going to be you know on my songs of the year or anything, but it's a good time. It's a good song. It's a bloody good song. It won't
2: be a million miles from my list, to be fair. Really? Honest. Okay. I, I think that, like, just, and just the elements seem to fit so well. The synths and the bass, and like I say, like that, that sort of like jumpy organ
1: track. Mm. Yeah, I have such a soft spot for this band. I've seen them live a bunch of times. They've made one of my favorite songs of all time, and I'll believe in anything. And they've got songs that run that a close second. They're just brilliant. They're they're very unique and uh, terrific live. Like I say, I mean, like I'm not doing promo for their show or anything, but like go and fucking see them. They're great. Uh, a good bunch of lads. I actually interviewed Dan Bachner years ago when I was in college. One of my first kind of big quote unquote interviews at the time, and he couldn't have been nicer. So yeah, it's. Um, they're 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 good lads. I'm I'm delighted that they kinda of recaptured this vein of form because they kinda of peered out a little bit before they had their first hiatus. Their EP last year was pretty strong, and this is good good work, so glad to have them back. Good clean yep. fun. Good that clean fun. Now, if you're in the mood for uh relaxing and if you want to hear some sleepy music, it's the war on drugs. But I just started Okay, that's Up All Night by The War on Drugs. And as I noted on Twitter this week, there's me shamelessly plugging my Twitter again. I did say... At Ready Dave. At Ready Dave. I did say um Don't it must be... Though. It must be... Never at me. It must be a real red-letter day for uh fans of The War on Drugs when they discover that Tom Petty exists. But hey, you could add different names to that pile. Yeah. You could say Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan, Dire Straits, mm-hmm. and but, like, so y- on and so forth. I think right Near now, if,
3: if, if we're going to discuss The War on Drugs, we need to get that... Out of the we way. need to get that out of the okay, way. This, the,
1: they sound I, like other and people, I, and I'm not even being like terribly snarky about it. I'm just kind of being like, this is a certain style. Like mm-hmm. I assume, like my dad would enjoy this. And I mean, yeah, sure. It's driving around on a Sunday after you've gone through a bit of divorce music, isn't it? I mean, the thing is, though, like it's not derivative so much as it's
2: kind of like learning from and taking mm-hmm. from those artists, well, in my opinion.
1: Pitchfork in their true. glowing 8.7 review described them as, they kind of compared them to Springsteen. They said Springsteen writes a lot about machines, whereas The War on Drugs seemed to, you know, kind of be a machine. Hmm. Like, I mean, it seems kind that of like... That doesn't like, sound like Pitchfork at all. No, well, it doesn't. It, well, <laughs> it is just Adam
2: Grandisle, who is the, the, the front man, the multi-instrumentalist. He recorded half this album, apparently, which I found absolutely incredible because this has layers and poise that sounds like a group of mu- magi- uh, musicians just... Or
3: magicians. Or magicians, for that matter, <laughs> because it is magic. It's gorgeous. Um, it's superb. It's absolutely gorgeous. And I think w- w- with The War on Drugs, it's it's their fourth album now, his fourth album, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, and now that we know how good he is at creating, you know, that atmosphere that you can only really get on a War on Drugs album, Um now he's focusing on hooks and on interesting guitar lines and building with synths and guitar and just making this uh, these really vast soundscapes hit home. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's what he's managed to do in this album that he hasn't done yet. And it's got good jams. It's got slow bops. It's got an 11 minute long song. <laughs> Called thinking of a place, a six and a half minute long song called "Stranger's Thing." They're the two longest songs on the album. It's got a lot
2: of six and a half minute songs. Yeah, but
3: they're the they're the two longest songs in the album, and they're also the best in my opinion. And I'm I'm happy to listen to him toy around, play with, and build on ideas for the guts of twelve minutes.
2: This is the thing, man. Like it it, it is quite a lengthy album. sixty six minutes, even though it's ten tracks. Mm. It gives you an idea of how they actually kind of go about their business, or he goes about his. I listened to this first on a train, and thank God I did, because Mm. I had the stops to actually keep track of, like, what time was. Sure. Because I'd listened to three songs of this. I was checking the track listing, like, how, how how many of these do we have? How long has time passed? It's a bit like going... Like fading into like just a bit of a snooze after your alarm goes off, and you kind of jerk awake <laughs> and don't yeah. realize whether you've been asleep for ten minutes yeah. or five hours, because it is immersive to the point that like I, I, you can
3: I, actually stop listening. Yeah, to I, it. I live here now. Yeah,
2: I, this is it. I'm in a deeper understanding, <laughs>
1: and, <laughs> and, and 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 the world has just been left behind for yeah. a bit. I was actually in transit as well when I uh, was kind of so like was first I was, walking. It, it was yeah it was a Monday evening as I was kind of going from a bus and going for a walk and it was good as well like I kind of got to tune into it that way because I think it does require a degree of movement as you're listening to it and kind of not to say that you can't just kind of bed down and, you know throw your headphones on or whatever but like yeah I mean like it's such a strange record in as much as... And I really resisted this one. I didn't want it. I didn't really want to do this because I am nothing against the War on Drugs, but I've always just kind of thought, it's a bit beige, isn't it? It's a bit kind of... For yeah. trivia
2: fans, this is the subject of the uh, WhatsApp chat that we had the last week that okay. Dave tweeted when he said, I'll talk about it. I just don't want to listen to it.
1: Yeah, I said, I'm not against discussing it. I just don't want to listen to it. And a <laughs> lot of people thought I was talking about a certain two-piece from a thigh, but I actually wasn't uh, because or I or
3: a blonde lady from America I think yeah, there was, there was Desmond, some was that it was yeah, TS which I
1: don't know what that says about me but like probably <laughs> not a good thing but nonetheless um, I eventually caved to this record and I'm glad I did I think it's really really good I do think that it has a degree of similarity to it in as much as there was a couple of points when I thought I was at the end and then there was two tracks to go yeah. and that's not to say that it's just completely derivative and samey it, it, it has a certain momentum and a certain kind of cloth that it cuts from and especially, we're going to talk about another record after this one. I think if you stack them up together in a weird kind of way, this one really stands over it. And yeah, I mean, like, I think there's a certain kind of magic here. Dude, <laughs> like, it's absolutely incredible. Like, I mean, I, I must say that after
2: kind of two or three listens to this record, I not in a contrary sense, but almost just like as a sort of a checking myself was just like, okay, go back and try to find the problems here.
3: I I did the same thing and I really couldn't come up with it. There's out.
2: very little to poke holes in here. The I mean, only problem I, mean, I had I,
3: I, was that there was no real need for the songs to be as long as they were but then I was glad that they were. You see, this, so. th-
2: this is one of the things and precisely my first stop was saying like, okay, like, start picking out the bits where this is going on too long. You know, start picking out mm. what you would cut mm. from this six minutes plus track to make it shorter and you realise that it it's so in intricate and so perfectly woven together that genuinely if you take
1: out anything things start to fall apart. Not so much a problem but I would like to pose one little kind of fly in the ointment. Sure. I'd like to say that I would like for someone to show them that there are other sins out there that aren't just dire straits walk of life. Okay. I mean you know. Listen mate I... Love that track, yeah, from Darius Wright. That's a great song. By and the way, have you ever seen that? There's a website out there which someone has. Based, it's a project that someone has where, like, they take the endings of classic films and they're like, "What would this film look like if it ended with Darius Wright's Walk of Life?" No. And it's like the Blair Rich Project ending, and it just comes <laughs> in like da it's incredible. Like to to, to <laughs> seven seven without coming in, i the end credits. Primal fear. It's all there. <laughs> to- Toby Carr and I used to stagger
2: home from sessions in Cork City when we may or may not have been of legal age, uh, singing <laughs> "The Walk of Life." Nice. It was yeah. But I think the great days.
3: Like cri- criticizing um, where the war on drugs take influence from is is so album too? <laughs> yeah, it's fair <laughs> you enough. You know what I, I mean? I, I, I know what you mean. Like yes, it's kind of like, we've reduc-
1: all... It's reductive and it's derivative in its own way. Yeah. And, and I kind of feel but, like it, it- it-
3: but it knows it is. And it's, it's kind of, it's one of those things where he's using... Music from you know the eighties, from the seven. Like
2: this is he's, far, he's picking
3: and choosing, but he's using these styles as if th- they themselves are instruments. It's yes. far from you know? any
2: sort of glorified karaoke or this whatever. Is, this is it's the the
1: not thing. Harry Styles. Uh, that's why I found myself kind of being. Let's not get into that. <laughs> but it's not. It, like ha- no, I know Harry Styles <laughs> did
3: the same thing, but. W- Badly. Yeah, very much <laughs> doing know? a series
1: of impressions, whereas sure. Adam Grandesell has clearly, you know, carved his own niche here by Absolutely. obviously using kind of like, you know, vintage sounds and styles. And that's what I'm wondering. I mean, like, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not standing here, sitting here, kind of being like, what the fuck, man? I get it. And I did find myself having to kind of like kill that cynical part of me and be like, yeah, cool, Dave, like, that, everyone knows that. And mm-hmm. now he's made this record, so you're either going to go with it or you're not. And I went with it in the end. But I am kind of curious as to like, why? I mean, do you know what I mean? I mean, I mean like, like, why is that his kind of baseline? That's what uh,
3: I liked about listening and to And can it. you really
1: get a career out? Like, do you want five more of these? Like, do you?
3: Like, I mean, Man, I'm, I'm not if, saying... It's a, I'm open to if them. If okay. they're this
2: good? Yeah. Every day of the week. Jesus, okay. Yeah. It's genuinely... kind of
3: like... You know when you listen to The Antlers? and mm-hmm. and And you have to listen sparingly but when you do listen it's worth it. I feel like that's where this album's going to sit with me. I'm not I, this isn't going to be replayed every week for the rest of the year for me, but it's it's going to be one of those albums where I take the time with it mm-hmm. and sit with it.
1: Well, let me ask you about this. Okay, apart from his ability to take an old era and repurpose it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. What are his strengths? Like his strongest strengths, Cause you call him in particular. You seem very taken with this record. I mean, I'm
2: reminded a little bit of when we were talking about Grizzly Bear and how you know, like it's slightly lyrically evasive and it's musically textured to the point that one complements the other, and you really don't mind replaying it, you don't mind getting lost in it, you don't mind the idea that something's going to distract you a little bit and kind of lead you down a wormhole yeah. because you're more than happy to go back to it again. I think it's his ability. And like I say, the fact that he recorded half of it himself just amazed me. It's it's his ability to build a sort of a complex structure and without ever getting too convoluted or too, mm-hmm. you know, sort of complicated. But just to to weave these pieces pieces together, yeah. it's it's stunning.
3: I think he's improved lyrically as well. Um I think the lyrics in thinking of a place are just in themselves almost musical in, in the way that they're interacting with each other. If you listen to that song from start to finish and just kind of look what he's doing with words and he's doing a lot of really cool wordplay in my other favourite track that I mentioned, Strangest Thing, he just takes that simple Three-note descending melody at the very beginning, and it's as if we're along for the ride while he tries to figure out everything he can do with it. And you know, th- there's that really on-the-nose guitar solo in it where you're just like, "I love, Come that. On,
1: I love man. that." I love it it. No, he earns, Like He totally earns he it. It's great. Yeah, and, I've, and I've had it. it. I've had that in my head like always. Yeah, and, and, he,
2: and he gives it all gorgeous. the space that it needs yeah. as well. Yeah, like, yeah, he, yeah.
3: He, he doesn't just throw it in for sixteen bars. He lets it grow and breathe and then he's like okay well now you wanted springsteen we're gonna do fucking springsteen it was
2: jimmy ivy and uh apple dude who said like jimmy apple dude the, jimmy apple dude that the war on <laughs> drugs should be huge yeah. and i tend to agree with them this album should be everywhere it won't be it'll never be
3: it'll be on end of year lists i think
2: and what's more though and we've discussed this before, but the next time that somebody tells you that rock songwriting is dead and guitar music is rubbish, give them this. Okay, scores. You're going to say what I think you're going to say, aren't you? Well, I might go along, I think, with Pitchfork. Oh, you're on an 8.7. I had 8.5 written down, but for the sake of symmetry, <laughs> 8.7. Right.
3: Um, I'm going to go with both Cullum and Pitchfork. I had 8, 8.5, and, uh, but it was... I, I had nine, and then I scribbled it out and wrote 8.5, so 8.7 <laughs> seems about right. Yeah, sure. I'm going to go
1: 7.7, and oh here's why. God. Because this record has won me over, and I actually want to kind of like go in with renewed vigor with it, and maybe by the end of the year, it'll, it'll jump up. But I, I can see it jumping up. As Craig said about Brand New last week, strong 7.5, version on an 8. And I very much enjoyed being won over and being proved wrong on this one. So, now you want to talk about guitar music and is it still rubbish? Does it still have stuff to say? Well, there's (laughs) another band coming out of the wilderness. We talked about their first single, we weren't impressed. It's Queens of the Stone Age. Feet Don't Fail Me.
2: The Dave, first... can I take an earlier comment back? Sure. Guitar music is dead.
1: Okay. Now, that might be a bit dramatic, but this is not a good record. <laughs> this is Villains by Queens of the Stone Age, the new album. We heard the way you used to do, and uh, Dave Higgins was on the show at that time, and he said that they should take what they were doing out into the middle of the ocean in a boat and sink it. Now, Mark Ronson... Is the producer on this record? Which a lot of people were going kind of like, "Oh God, it's going to be like really kind of overtly poppy and flamboyant." It isn't really. I know? couldn't
3: hear him on it at all.
1: The only thing I really heard him on was by not hearing him, and that he kind of he's kind of dialed down the crunch. He's dialed mm-hmm. down the guitars, which is an odd choice. He's dialed down. I mean the rhythm section gets its moments, but they're moments. Like like very little here is There's almost no bass. There's almost no bass, and also like like the first track there, Feet on Family, when it kicks in, it's fun because when it because you get like a minute and a half kind of build up and it kicks in. Yeah, exactly when, and when it finally kicks in, you're like, oh, this is cool, and then it's a bit generic. I feel like
3: that minute and a half build up, uh, like.
1: It's, it's by the way, so contrived it for their, contrived their live shows as well. It should be said as well, like it's way
2: more than a minute and a half. It's clo- it? it's it's way closer to two minutes than a minute and a half. Well, the, the tracks on this record, nine track record, 150
1: on. the, the average over six minutes each or thereabouts, and I found myself going into this thinking, well, this is going to be a fucking chore. And I found myself kind of being like, you know what, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. But then I was like, why am I going into a Queens of the Stone Age record thinking this? I mean, surely I should be going with a bit more optimism, given their heroics in the past. Now they haven't necessarily been the most consistent band out there, but they've really had, a, you know, a purple patch for that they've stretched every quite a while. And those first two records, even before they broke through, are brilliant. But yeah. this, unfortunately, is what I suspected it would be. And it's the sound of a band that have just ran out of miles. They've run out of road. They've run out of gas. They've run out of ideas. And Josh. Homie sounds almost like he's just not interested. You see, it's a funny thing, though. You say they've run out of ideas. At times,
2: this album feels like they have too many of them.
1: Do you think so? Well, in because
2: even because the songs are just too
1: packed. Like
2: precisely because they're jumping from one thing to another. Now, whether any of them fleshed out would actually sort of stand up on their own, that's a different matter. But Josh Homie, like. You know, you can see that the guy, you know, has a lot to say and do. You can tell that by his sort of work rate, whether it's Queens of Stone Age, whether it's stuff with Eagles Death Metal, that album he did with Iggy Pop, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, maybe a guiding hand here wouldn't have been a bad idea. But so he has one in the form of Mark Ronson. Someone who could even call some shots. But, like, but Mark I mean, Ronson
3: is probably a super fan because everybody's a super fan of Josh Homme.
1: You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And so
3: he's probably just like, oh, that's that's a great idea, Josh. Like, the the, the album sounds... Good, but the strange Everything thing is, like, like,
1: okay. if Cullen, if you're referring to personnel there, I mean, like he brought back in Troy Van Loewen, who was uh, like like with the band before. He brought in, I think, uh, like Sparta's drummer or something. Like he brought in guys who really know their shit, and, and that's always been a staple of Queen's. Night has been a real band where it's like, you know, can you hang with this band? I mean, yeah. like, are you musically muscular enough? And that's always been a staple of them. But for this record, which just sounds quite weak and just sounds mm. kind of stock still at times, some of these songs have no right to go beyond four minutes, and they go well beyond that I mean like it's a splurge and it's a mess it is a mess I I think mess is definitely the operative term it's not like flaming fucking Hindenburg disaster but like I got a feel like this is one for the diehards I mean yeah like
2: it's one of those oft misattributed quotes but like I'd always hear Miles Davis but it could be someone else but that line you know it's not just the notes you play it's the notes you don't yeah and it's like try not playing some notes precisely they seem to (laughs) tried to play every fucking yeah. note they can hear. And
3: like I I agree with you in that I I actually I I don't think that they sound tired. I think they sound overexcited, overtired, like they've they've stayed up too late. And and they have all these ideas and they're giddy and and they're just putting them down and they didn't spend enough time with them. Like I'm, I was never, I recognised the songs for the F as one of the greatest rock albums ever recorded. That's fine. Um, that goes without saying, but I was never really a Queens of the Stone Age fan. And I mentioned it to my housemate who is, and he said he listened through it and he was like, yeah, I'm probably going to have to sit with it for a bit. And I was like, is that the reaction you want from a fan? You no. know, yeah. I don't know it, it, it was, bit of a mess it was Queens of Stone Age by numbers and uh, they sounded a bit like a cover band I sense. mean I,
2: I said a little while ago that like The Evil's Landed, I actually quite enjoyed here in the context of the full record by the time you get to it you're, you're punched just, out you're fatigued yeah, aren't you you're tired And and like not only that but the fact that the rest of the record is so disjointed that the variety of that track which I quite enjoyed when hearing it for the first time you're just like oh my god you're doing it again you I th- still can't stick to an idea. I think mm-hmm.
1: the worst review I can give an album in the in this you know this year in this modern age and the way that we consume music and especially us as a show that like goes through so much music week on week is that I'm never going to listen to this album again. Me neither. Yeah. Like I'm just never. And gonna I'm not going to gonna it recommend
3: it to anybody. No, either.
1: and I, and, I, and I'm not like there's nothing even disparaging to say about it too badly. Like like the worst thing you can be is boring. I think, you know, whether it's a film or a TV show or an album, you know, give me something to cling to, whether it's an outright train wreck or it's a work of art. And this is nothing. This is milk toast. This is stock still. This is bad. And I just, I'll never listen to it again. And I, and I found myself getting annoyed at having to listen to it yeah. throughout the week. And I was like, and I kept being like, I, mean, I
3: kept skipping back to the war on drugs well yeah like,
1: going between those two again it was like night and day I mean yeah. like granted like they're not applying the exact same trade but no. like you know it was but night and day but this is how day. you
3: make a six minute long song this is how you don't yeah, yeah. Even, yeah. Though,
1: even that 11 minute song on the war on drugs I'm like uh, justifies it in its own way yeah. like sure. Father John Misty like, like on pure comedy but I mean like here I'm just like these tracks feel like 11 minutes long and they're yeah. only half, yeah. half. <laughs> well let's not dwell on them for too much longer 4 out of 10 it means
2: nothing. It is nothing. It's a four out of ten for me as well.
3: It was a four and a half for me. Four and, okay. and a half.
1: Okay. I ten. mean, Such a generous soul. Man. I'll stop. Perhaps live some of those tracks would be fine. I. That's
3: I, a, I think I the first like, one's going to bang live. I feel like this album that, exists
1: sure. to do a tour. Like I mean, like, yeah. like that, that kind of like. I'm, look, hey, look. You know, I'm sure he'll he'll find his way again. But right now, this is genuinely for completists only. Other things to listen to this week, I only got it in the last few days. It'll be out now by the time you hear this podcast. You can hit up your Spotify and you can check out the new album from Mogwai, Every Country's Son. So they brought out rave tapes a couple of years ago, 2014 or so, I want to say. And it was good. It wasn't great. Like, Mogwai are one of those bands that will eventually run into a bit of a wall because of their own limitations. But I've always admired them and enjoyed them and loved them in many cases. Uh, Every Country Sun, on the strength of about three or four listens so far, I will say is a return to form, if indeed you felt that they had kind of dropped the ball a little bit. And I've very much been enjoying it. We'll look at it properly next week alongside the new LCD Sound System record and our special guest for the evening, Claire Beck, who will Mm. be reporting back from Electric Picnic. Cullum, what have you been listening to?
2: Uh, Damn Backwards. I know we mentioned it earlier, (laughs) but that frankly is the only other record that I've gone to and like I say regret spending a bit of time without revisiting it because Jesus Christ what a record
3: uh, apart from what we've discussed, I've been listening to uh, 1989 by Taylor Swift, because my God. Yep. Uh, I've been listening to the Big Moons record, which is a Mercury-nominated record this year that nobody seems to know. Not I over think novellas, I so don't care. It's not the big uh, one. <laughs> I, I, I think they're incredible. Uh, they were the session musicians on Marika Hackman's I'm Not Your Man, which is one of my albums of the year, and they're, they're great. I've also been listening to the new... Um, the Lamelda record. It's a debut record uh, by a gal in London. It's going to be out the 8th of September, and I think it's going to be really good.
1: Nice work. Sweet. And I've also been listening to a track that I'm delighted to close out the show with. Me too, yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, former guest of the show, David Tapley, aka Tandem Felix. And, obviously, there are people in the band, too. I was about to say, yeah. Let's like, <laughs> <laughs> not put him on a, Adam Granderson levels But here. he is the front runner, you could say. Uh, he was on the show a few episodes ago. If you missed that, go back and check it out. His review of Beat Yard, in particular, was Laconic Mastery, and I very much enjoyed it, as did many yeah. other people. So, after a two-year hiatus... Well, this is it. I mean, you know... I- In retrospect, he kind of dropped hints, didn't he? He says, you know, like a long-dormant volcano, they could blow up at any time. I kind of knew something was coming, but, you know, it's just me doing my hosting. (laughs) But uh, it's paid off, and this volcano has erupted. But before we get there, Andrea, thank you so much for coming back to the show.
3: Thank you for having me. It's been spooky.
1: Andrea will be in attendance at the live show on September the 28th in Wheelands, and we hope that you'll be there too, listener. Cullum, I hope you'll be there as well. Yeah, No, I'll try to make it. (laughs) Kind of important. So in the meantime, to close out this week, Tan and Felix and this track is called Were You There When They Crucified the Birthday Boy.
3: Amazing. What
1: a title. Amazing. It's a great song. I really, really love it. I'm glad I don't just have to say that for the sake of it. Good job, Tapley. Woo. My name is Dave Hannerty. This has been No Encore. There will be no Encore. We'll be back next week. Paula.
4: off on a list of things to do. Filling all of the balloons with nitrogen and CO2. The guests are all arriving. I yeah.
2: Podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
4: The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle
2: is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's.
3: Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just
0: $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.